Hello and welcome to the latest Mooney on Politics podcast. Uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. It's about three o'clock. And as always, this is based on my most recent broadsheet article, which appeared yesterday. Now, it was written uh, about two days after the Sinn Féin Ordesh, and it, it less looked at the Ordesh itself, but just at some of the hype around it. So the question I've asked myself here is, Sinn Féin seem to be readying themselves from government, but are we ready for them? And I, I think we're, that question is a little, bit, a little bit off a final answer. But right now, if I were betting on things, I would be betting more on a hung doll after the next election than any other single thing, and I don't think Sinn Féin are a shoe-in to be in government. But let me flesh out the article first, and I'll come to that. And then at the end of this piece, I'll continue on with something I mentioned in the last podcast, which is the polling data, and I'll have a look at the Red Sea poll, the most recent one that came out. Anyway... For about 20 years, I lived within a 10-minute walk of the RDS and Simmons Courts, and this was particularly useful when I used to be going to Fianna Fáil Ardeshna. It meant I could soak up the atmosphere and the anticipation of the hall during the build-up to the party leader's speech, and then very quickly nip home to see the full speech live on TV and to catch the RTE News review on the 9 o'clock news. Because this gave me a better sense of how the speech was playing in the world outside, because I was seeing what people are seeing at home, well, wherever number of people bother to watch these things. It was a practice I continued even when the Ordesh was in City West or Killarney. Once the warm-ups for the party leader's speeches started, I headed to my hotel room and watched it on the TV there, rushing down to the bar afterwards to catch up with friends and enjoy the pleasure of being crushed, trying to get to, 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 get to the bar. You see, the whole thing about seeing it live on TV gave you a better sense of how the leader had performed, and the critical difference was seeing what clips RTE chose to use in their news coverage afterwards on the 9 o'clock news, because these were the parts of the speech that most punters were going to see, and that would decide what message they took from the speech. Invariably, the clips that were played on the RTE news were the ones that you had hoped for, and these were the key sound bites that had been honed and crafted carefully in the days and weeks leading up to the speech. What you could not control, however, and I know there were some who did try, was a surreal donut that you gathered round the likes of David Devon Power as he broadcast live from the back of the hall. Because for those couple of minutes in the nine o'clock news, you'd see him trying to critically assess the mood of delegates and of the entire Ordesh, like a political Frank Rich offering an instantaneous review of what effectively was a theatrical occasion, the one that was more off-Broadway than on. Now, from what I've been seeing of the reviews following last Saturday Sinn Féin Ordesh, they would have seemed to have been generally positive, or at least in line with what would have been expected. Even more positive were the previews in the days leading up to the gathering in the Helix Theatre. Most of these, especially the ones that appeared in the Northern Irish media and the British media, focused on the Shinners heading the polls in both North and South and speculated widely, or do I mean wildly, on Sinn Féin not just being in government North and South, but leaving it. Now, doubtless, the prospect of government weighed heavily on the minds of delegates over the weekend, as evidenced by the party vote to somewhat change its stance on the special criminal court. Now, the change itself is nowhere near as dramatic as some are spinning, but I think it probably is sufficient to decommission this issue at the next election, denying both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael yet another avenue of attack on Sinn Féin. It is just one more step in the Sinn Féin gradual progress that shattered the glass ceiling that many thought would keep it in single digits, and then in the mid-teens, and then in the low 20s. Now that glass ceiling has clearly gone, and it's a road that Sinn, that Sinn Féin have been on in recent years, most particularly since its electoral decline in the 2019 local and European elections. 
Because back then, in the immediate aftermath of those fairly bad defeats in both elections, Sinn Féin showed a maturity of purpose and intent that seems to have somehow eluded the other two big parties. Sinn Féin appears to have taken real lessons from its 2019 shellacking. It realised that the voters were looking for change, but it did, that this did not just mean any old change. They saw that the voters wanted a party, or as it may be parties, that were offering innovative ideas and ambitious solutions, not just more parties of protest. I'm not saying that all the progress has been down to what Sinn Féin has done, or the fact that they've actually followed through on everything that they plan to do after 2019. Indeed, I think there have been occasions over the last 12 to 18 months where Sinn Féin has occasionally drifted back to being a party of protest and whining. But still, Sinn Féin has mostly seemed ready to change itself and to become a party fit and ready for government. But there are still question marks over whether it can become a party of government or even become a party to lead a government. Now, these are not the questions proffered by the Taoiseach when speaking with the media after his Bowdoin Stand address on Sunday. And though the questions that Michal Martin posed have a legitimate basis, it still appears that nobody around Martin has yet realised that none of these questions or none of these challenges or none of these attacks coming from him are denting Sinn Féin's poll ratings. If anything, they're helping them. Partly because it is seemed to be deflection by either Michal Martin, and the same also applies to Leo Varadkar, but also because then you have some imprudent sycophants like Senator Ned O'Sullivan pulling a Godwin's Law a la Maud Flanders with some of their tweets afterwards. While Sinn Féin shows all the signs of being ready to do what it takes to get into government in the 26th county, its fate depends on two key factors, both of which lay entirely outside of Sinn Féin's control. First of these is what Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael do next. The fumbling and stumbling leaderships of the two traditional main parties is possibly a better driver of support to Sinn Féin than Mary Lou, Pierce and Owen combined. I'm probably being a tad unfair here to Fine Gael. For almost a decade, Fine Gael has had a personal stake in the growth and success of Sinn Féin. Because Sinn Féin is a better foil and a better political enemy for Fine Gael than Martin's Fianna Fáil. Because Sinn Féin offers a, cl- a clearer polar opposite that helps define Fine Gael. And it's one that allows both Sinn Féin and Fine Gael to starkly present themselves as the only available political options as they attempt to cannibalise what remains of Fianna Fáil. But the strategy which has guided most of Varadkar's manoeuvrings over the past couple of years seems to have backfired and backfired badly. Rather than offering itself as the one true centre-right alternative to the lefty Sinn Féin in its perception, Varadkar has now changed tack and is leaving Fine Gael blurred and amorphous. Is it a centre-right party? Is it a centre party? The last budget would certainly indicate that this is that Fine Gael is no longer the party of fiscal prudence and the centre-right. So, Fine Gael's under Varadkar, its party identity is almost as blurred as an amorphous as Martin's Fianna Fáil is. Sinn Féin's progress is therefore probably more dependent on Fianna Fáil's continuing stagnation and the perception that the current Fianna Fáil leader, Michal Martin, has become increasingly antagonistic to the idea of any serious discussion on unity, either in terms of how we move towards unity, or, more importantly, what the new constitutional arrangements could be in a new All-Ireland Ireland. This is happening at a time when you see civic society, academic Ireland, etc., examining these questions. And yet Michal Martin seems continually to set his face against any such discussion. Now, I said there were two factors. And the second one, 
that will become uh, that could well be a major obstacle to Sinn Féin ending up in government is the attitude of parties on the left to either going into government with Sinn Féin or propping up a minority Sinn Féin government. You've got to ask yourselves, will the, would the leaders of Labour and the Social Democrats be willing to let their parties become the political mudguards for a highly controlled and disciplined Sinn Féin administration? Now, we know the seemingly immutable rule of Irish politics and particularly Irish government, which is that the smaller parties in a coalition come out worst. Maybe the allure of high office will be tempting to some of those parties, but I, I, my own assessment is that there is sufficient commitment to policy principles in both the Labour Party and the Social Democrats to leave very little, little possibility of either party going into government without major policy concessions and without the, without the promise of major portfolios, particularly in the area of justice, law reform and security. Besides, as a Dublin-based South by-election showed, smaller parties on the left have little to electorally fear from Sinn Féin when they have their own strong and credible candidates. Now, of course, we should always be cautious about extrapolating too much from a by-election result. But the fact that Sinn Féin could barely get itself beyond 10% across 80% of a constituency where it actually holds a seat tells a big, big story. And if you look at the, the tallying maps, there are some parts of the constituency in Dublin Bay South where Sinn Féin's vote was less than 3.5%. There's a chunk, particularly within the canal, where it was 50, 60, 70% in some parts, in some boxes. But they're quite isolated areas. Let me put my hands up. In the run-up to the by-election, I genuinely believe Sinn Féin had a chance of winning the seat. I wasn't doing this to set anyone up, I was trying to be as impartial as I could. Because when you look at the individual factors, they picked a very strong candidate who had solid local collections and a proven, retro, a proven history and track record as an MEP for Dublin. She was a strong media performer. The local organisation, indeed the entire Dublin and national organisation, was mobilised very effectively behind her. There was a masterful get-out-the-vote operation across, across a large swathe of the constituency, particularly within the canal. Yet the Shinners were beaten by over two to one in boxes right across the constituency by Labour's Ivana Batchik. Despite the current hype and hoopla in some circles, let me be quite clear, I do not believe Sinn Féin is on some inexorable march to government in Dublin. It is most certainly not an impossibility. But as the latest polls have shown, while Sinn Féin is streets ahead of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, it is still a long way short of the winning line on, on 30 to 32%. So it will require the continued indifference and masterful inaction of the two main parties for it to become a likelihood. Well, for now. This brings me forward to the point about the polls, and it was the, the point I left open from the last podcast, where we had looked at, or where I had looked, I should say rather, at the Sunday Times poll and at the last Ireland Thinks Mail on Sunday poll. Broadly speaking, I'd argued that these left the shape of politics kind of reasonably consistent. So you have Sinn Féin on 30 to 32 percent. You have Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael combined on 42 to 44 percent. Now, the two polls differed on how that vote shook out between them. The Sunday Times BNA poll had Fianna Fáil just ahead of Fine Gael. Meanwhile, the Irish Mail on Sunday, Ireland Thinks poll, had Fine Gael, about six or seven points ahead of uh, Fianna Fáil. And I said it would be down to the Red Sea poll to, to, kind of to, to split the draw. Well, the Red Sea poll came in, and it again was consistent on the Sinn Féin figure. But it was even more stark on the breakdown between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. 
because it put Fine Gael considerably ahead and it put Fianna Fáil losing a small amount now within the margin of error but it has Fianna Fáil basically stagnating and hovering around 12-13% now that is a serious blow to the government this is a serious blow to Micheál Martin and it has to be a wake-up call to Fianna Fáil TDs I do think that that the increasing support for Sinn Féin, particularly in constituencies where Fianna Fáil feel that they should be able to hold a seat, but now looks doubtful, that that is what's going to be a wake-up call within Fianna Fáil to recognise that Sinn Féin is filling a gap that Fianna Fáil traditionally filled, which is offering, offering hope and offering choice and offering the prospect of change, of change where where the party says, look, we are going into government to fight for you, to fight for your cause, that we are not here to represent the government to you, we are here to represent your interests to the government. That has been Fianna Fáil's shtick for most of its existence, and Sinn Féin has now taken it. And unless Fianna Fáil does something radical and major and significant to change that, which includes leadership change, but cannot be limited to leadership change. Maybe be quite clear here, I do not think that simply changing leader will make things all right for Fianna Fáil. I do not think Micheál Martin is Fianna Fáil's only problem. The problem runs deeper. It, into, it runs into Fianna Fáil's difficulty for the last couple of years with coming up with new policies, new ideas and new thinking without just basically seeing this, having this thing, as Willie O'Dea said last, his article last Sunday, which is rather than coming up with a radical new solution to the rental crisis, just makes, comes back and looks at existing legislation, says, look, we'll tweak it here, we'll tweak it there. And unless Fianna Fáil finds a new leader and a new leadership, which means, means, means making changes right across the board, then I think Sinn Féin's progress to government becomes a stronger possibility. If I was betting right now, I think the polls are pointing to a hung doll and to a period of great political uncertainty after the next election. I don't think the next election is too soon. I think we will get to the turnaround in government. I think you will get to a changeover between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, Taoiseach, though I wouldn't now dare to suggest who the names will be at that point. But I think we will get through to that point, get through to that. And unless the two parties have had a change, then I think at that point Sinn Féin moves closer and finds itself not too far short of the winning margin. Not as a single party government, but as a party that is depending on smaller parties. And then there will be a great deal of horse trading. Let, let me put it this way, and I'll finish off on this point. And this to me is maybe the, the dire prediction and is the, the prediction that maybe worries me the most. Is what was to happen if Fianna Fáil went back to its 2011 level of support? What was to happen if Fianna Fáil's vote collapsed again and, and came out at the 11, 12, 13 or 14% that some polls have shown over the last 12 months? Well, that would put Fianna Fáil down at 17, 16, 15, 20 seats. Who knows? I wouldn't bet on it because one of the things the opinion polls don't pick up on is the support for individual candidates. So that's why Fianna Fáil's vote support in some polls tends to be a little bit underrepresented. And I think this may be the case in the most recent Red Sea poll. But even allowing for that, if Fianna Fáil comes back with 20 seats, and these are 20 seats that are disparate, that are not urban, that are probably rural, that are probably individual TDs who get elected despite their being on the Fianna Fáil ticket, not because of them being on the Fianna Fáil ticket, then there is a possibility of Fianna Fáil being the party that puts Sinn Féin into government. And you do have a Sinn Féin Fianna Fáil government. Now that would be good news for Fine Gael. It would be ultimately bad news for Fianna Fáil long term. 
because of the rule, not because they've put in Sinn Féin in as such, but because of the rule of smaller parties and coalition governments come out worst. And at that point, you would have a very disparate, broken up and factionalised Fianna Fáil. And I think that is the worrying scenario. It's one where the Labour Party and the Social Democrats as an opposition and Fine Gael as an opposition could start to grow. And the only area for the growth there will be again over Fianna Fáil territory. And I think that, was a, I think that will be a possibility. But however, that to me is, that this here is me speculating just as widely as I said people were doing it when I, when I was talking earlier. However, there we are. That's my thoughts for today. Probably not the most cheerful one I've ever done, but that's life. So hopefully enjoy the rest of the week. We'll come back to you early next week with the next Mooney on Politics podcast. And feel free to comment or, or message me if you believe there's anything you'd like me to talk about in the future. In the meantime, take care. Bye-bye.